from the top of the Poconos, it's the Balcony Show with your host Ann Thatcher, Bo Summer, and me, the Mad Cat. We have searched the globe for the best in indie music, so you don't have to. So here we go, the Balcony Show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Balcony Show. I'm in studio with the Mad Cat and Bo. <laughs> I don't know what's happening today. I don't think you anybody don't know? knows. I know. It's the heat. It <laughs> I think it is. It's making us crazy. It's hot in the kitchen. It is. Oh, my goodness. So, coming up on this show, wow, 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 we have Brian Ray, guitarist, bass guitarist, lead guitarist. He plays all different kinds of things for he really does. Paul if, McCartney. If, if, yeah, if you go to check out... Um, the uh, 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 Bonnie and Clyde video. At the end, it just like you know puts everything that you know that he played on it. Yeah. Initially, you know, and he's like, "Wow." Oh yeah, that's really neat, and it's a neat story to if for you know listeners who don't know yeah. that a part of the the real Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie who wrote a poem is actually a part of this song. So and listen, you'll have to listen to the interview to the and, yeah, right. and, and stay put. Can't give away our secrets, Bo. No, not yet. Anyways, (laughs) but first, hit it, Dave. Useless facts. Facts that are freaking useless. Useless. Here we go. Useless facts. So, we'll just get right into it. Useless fact number one. The British Navy uses Britney Spears songs to scare off pirates. You know... (laughs) Somalia, they don't like... The Somalians don't like Western music. Wow. So, in all... They use... I wonder what they think. Yeah, I mean, is is it like in the 1800s when... uh, Cameras came out. Oh, it's going to steal my yeah, soul. Yeah, I, I guess. Mean, they hear a Britney Spears song, and suddenly it's like, oh, no. Oops, I did it again. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of them. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, that's interesting. Different. Yeah. That should be like an interesting fact, not a useless yeah. one. That's actually oddly interesting, it I guess. Is. All right. I mean, I don't know what we do with it. I mean, I guess that's what makes it useless. All right. Yeah, so, all right. Here we go. Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. We're good. I got there, folks. I got yeah. there. It's been a rough week. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Uh, yes. True story. All right. Useless fact number two. Loud music causes you to drink more in less time. Oh, my God. That's, that mean, explains it all. Yeah. They did, in a, they did a study. In Germany, I believe, and they actually <laughs> they took to the Germans. <laughs> they took forty men, and then they, without them knowing it, they played different types of music, and they found that loud music caused them to drink more. I have a question, Mad Cat. Yes, dear. Do you think fast music makes you do things fast? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Well, yeah, because it, it's all energy. Yeah. So if you think about just it, just follow the beat. A... <laughs> <laughs> just follow the I beat. I got a visual. Of that. I'm yeah. just no. Oh, what a face! What's number three? <laughs> My God! All right. So useless fact number three: Axl Rose is a quirky stage name because it's an anagram. Just put the letters in the right order, and the result is oral sex. What? The real name of the Guns N' Roses frontman is William Bailey. That I knew. I did not know that about Axl Rose. You didn't know his name was William Bailey? I knew that his name was William Bailey, but I did not know that that was an anagram. But was that... Yeah, like, that, did he come up with that anagram? I didn't, I didn't know oh, it was an anagram. Did. Yeah. I oh, he did. That I didn't know. But his name being uh, Bill Bailey, won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew that because I was like one of those... Crazy, insane Guns N' Roses fans. When they came out, man, it was just like, Rah, I want to go smash a car right now. I was like, yeah, good stuff. All right, so useless fact number four. Rock and roll meets wildlife. Termites love rock music. Say what? What? According to Australian researchers, 
They eat wood twice as fast when they are exposed to heavy metal music. Who's giggling? The, vib- the vibrations of the wood encourage them to nibble at high speeds. Ooh. Uh, what try, are you tapping me for? Try, try, this, try this with your lunch or when you're in a hurry. Just don't blame us for your stomach ache. Well, I mean. Well, I guess my question got answered. There you, you go. You know what I mean? I guess, you know, the, the beat changes everything. So termites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ACDC's house. Meow. <laughs> so, can you imagine? Meow. <laughs> they get a termite infestation and they're playing their music. Meow. <laughs> like they're playing speed metal in your house and now down with a freaking just nails and pins. Yeah. Good God. All right, useless fact number five. The year is 1989. The dictatorial ruler of Panama, General Noriega, takes refuge in the message of the Vatican. For two days, the U.S. military bombarded him 24 hours a day with songs from ACDC, such as Highway to Hell. The ex-dictator surrendered. (laughs) Who knew? ACDC is a weapon. Hell yeah. I'm all right with that. You know what I mean? Like, but. I'd be back there and be like, yeah, highway to hell. Now, we have the song, Got a New Thing, by Brian Ray, our interview tonight. So, sit down, give it a listen, and when you come back, we're going to be on the line with Brian Ray. Got a new thing now.
Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Balcony Show, and we are very excited because we have Brian Ray on the phone. You, he is best known as, right now, as a guitar player for Paul McCartney, but he is also a solo artist. He's done many duos, and he has also played with Etta James 14 years before landing the gig um, with Paul McCartney. So talk about magic, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody out there. Well, it is it is kind of strange. I mean, basically, I'm just this little white kid from Glendale, California, and there's no good reason why I should be, you know, uh, with Paul McCartney uh, or Etta James, you know, just because of my my lineage and my where I live and, you know, all of that stuff. It's just so strange to me. But here I am, and I'll take it. I'm very, very happy, and I'm very pleased. And you, at a very young age, knew. You had a, a sister, an older sibling, Jean. She was 15, and quite the musician herself. She's the one who kind of turned you on to rock and roll. She is, yeah. I, uh, Man, what can I say? I was very, very fortunate to have. Uh, she was a half-sister, so... She was 15 years my elder, and the way that led to rock and roll was, um, you know, she would take me to, uh, you know, babysit me over to a friend's house, and they would all be pouring over uh, photos of Elvis and, and of Little course. Richard, and I just, <laughs> I just got the whole package, the whole idea right there. <laughs> it was for the chicks then. I get it. <laughs> the attention well, you know it's it's just uh yeah it is a little bit of that it, it's just like i just saw an energy in that room with those three wow. or four girls all you know cooing and ooing over pictures <laughs> and records that i just kind of caught it and at a young age kudos to you for that, that. is fantastic for that sure fantastic. i mean so, i must have been three or four 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 years old tops three i think i was three because i think she was, since she's 15 years my elder, was 13, 13 years, 15 years my elder, she was in high school, and I do remember that. She only lived with us for one year, and it just happened to be right at the sort of ground zero of the original Rockers. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. Really cool. So Yeah, yeah. Very lucky, yeah. I, I got to say... The interesting thing that I found about your music is that you have kind of, with your career with Etta James, which I really want to ask you about a little bit later, but I did notice as your career developed and stuff, like now here you are, and I see a lot of the flavors and the influences from the musicians that you have talked about, Elvis Presley, uh, your influences with Etta James, in your music now. In, in your solo career, um, the the vibe on got a new thing to me. It's it's kind of sixties, but yet there's like that eighties nineties rock kind of flavor. How nice. that, that's really great. How did that come about? Well, that song in particular, um, you know, every song and starts with a different element. It could be a lyric, a title. It could be a guitar lick, a beat, a melody, uh, a, a catchphrase. It could be so many things. But in the case of that song, before I had the title, I just had the lick. And then I kind of doubled the lick and made it um, what we would call an eight-bar phrase instead of the usual four-bar phrase. So it made it a little bit more of a tongue twister. Um, music okay. for the ear. If like a kid was learning it, it's fairly simple, but it has a little twist and it's twice as long as most, you know, most trademark licks. So, um, that's where it started. And then that led to the verse chords and built into the, to the riff was the tempo. And soon came this, um, I got a new thing, you know which is a great sort of, uh, well, let's call it a breakup story of sorts. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, yeah I got a new thing would pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, 
oh, wait a minute. I think I know what this one is about. Because the cover on this is very interesting. Oh. I caught that. Okay, well. And I'm right there with you. I found myself, you know, yearning for a, a great big a demonstrative breakup. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we all get there sometimes in our lives or mm-hmm. in our politics or whatever. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, your pinned tweet on Twitter gives it all away. So I'm going to send all the listeners over there. You got to go check oh. out his uh, pinned tweet on Twitter. And if it's you send all the listeners over them, only <laughs> half of them will come back. So there's, there's uh. Anyway, yeah, you know, I, I can't help it, man. I, I come from a time when, you know, artists spoke their mind. And I come from a family uh, of of dyed in the wool Democrats and liberals. Uh, my dad was a war hero. He fought in the Second World War in the Air Force uh, as a navigator, and was under the command of the late great Jimmy Stewart. Uh, no way. Well known, lovely actor who was his commander. Uh, he got wow. captured, and he was in a, a prisoner of war camp in Nazi Germany and stayed there until the war was done. And he got that message that morning, the war is over. Uh, you know, and, that's an incredible um, story. Brian. Yeah. And he, he passed around a newsletter in, in his, in his prisoner of war camp in Nazi Germany, um, talking about the news and what he'd heard from the front line. And, uh, and he, uh, was a liberal, and you don't often hear stories about the politics of people like that. But because he felt so strongly about his uh, the love for his country and his patriotism, when he saw injustice and when he saw criminality, he talked about it. And when he saw something he didn't agree with on either side of the aisle, right? Uh, he was very outspoken. But you know, he gave me the right through his service to speak my mind. And you know what? I'm going to speak my mind. I'm into that, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. So. All right, cool. Let us talk about the story of Bonnie and Clyde. This is a really cool tune, too. This is very different. It's got kind of like a Western feel to it. A little bit of country, but not. It's it's a story. So Yeah, it was kind of like, um, I guess, an outlaw country kind of a vibe. You know, there's that sort of movement where it's, kind of a throwback to the badasses of yore, you know, the Merle Haggards and the, uh, you know, the great uh, bad boys of country. But it's all mixed in with a little bit of the Southern rock that we might have heard in the 70s, you know. Um, and uh, the idea, of course, came from a podcast series on Body and Clyde that was being produced by Mandy Wimmer, my lovely girlfriend, and her brother, Chris. Aww. Who, who both run uh, a media company called Black Barrel Media. And they do a lot of uh, Old West stuff and uh, sort of um, true crime in America called Infamous America. And uh, and they do a lot of great podcasts, Black Barrel Media, if you want to go look them up. That's anyway, they were, they were doing uh, a whole series, a season on uh, Bonnie and Clyde, which is, you know, one of the the great stories and uh i said you know you you could try this song uh you know that i've heard before as a theme song for bonnie and clyde they listened to it they they really liked it but they said i think we would be more likely to find something original and you know i don't know if they were kind of tricking me into writing something they weren't (laughs) then i i thought bonnie and clyde it's a woman and a man uh, and we were actually using the actual poem written by Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie Parker, who wrote this oh, wow. incredible, um, this incredible poem two weeks before they were gunned down called The End of the Road. And it kind of foresaw their own end. I mean, it wasn't, right. it wasn't a big shocker. I mean, they were going to get, they were going to get caught up with at some point. Anyway, we used the actual poem because it is uh, public domain now. She oh, wow. made it. She made it so. Uh, she didn't want anyone making money off of her words. So she said, "This has got to be available forever." And so I used them and changed them up a little bit here and there. Edited them with Chris Wimmer, and then called uh, Orianti, so it could be like 
to a, a guy and a woman singing about a guy and a woman. And there we there we go. It's a perfect we're choice at Orianti. It was phenomenal. Oh my God! I mean, everyone knows he's a shredder, but what about that voice? Exactly. You know, it's and and it's great. Sometimes you know to hear her step out and get on the mic as well. I mean, you guys matched up so perfectly on that song. It was really really good. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a break and listen to the brand new song "Bonnie and Clyde" by Brian Ray and Orianti. show and right now we are still interviewing brian ray what a great history you have had and i i'm gonna tell you i was reading your bio and i i saw i mean i i i think it's a fantastic story in the bio uh at 17 
Brian's career was as a pro musician was set in motion by wild man Phil Kaufman. Oh my God! Yeah, what? A, what a, <laughs> uh, how much do you know about that? What's that? How much do you know about that story? Uh, you know, I've I've only ever heard spatterings of the story over the years. So it's like as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Wow, that's amazing." Well, I mean, here it is. It, it's a wild, it is easily the wildest story in rock and roll. And rock and roll has the best stories, right? Absolutely. So, you listeners out there, I'm not going to take up 20 minutes of the interview here. Uh, because if you, you tell this story in any less than 20 minutes, you're doing it in injustice. I agree. Just go look up Phil Kaufman or Phil Kaufman Graham Parsons. And that's G R A M Parsons. Go look it up on your Wikipedia. I'll wait here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I won't wait here. Go look it up because I'm telling you, you won't believe this. Yeah, I I actually read that. I looked up that story and and I actually thought, is that was that for real? Is oh that, yeah, that's a real story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Very, yeah, very much for real. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to Brian. Go and check that. Google that story. It's there. You go. It's amazing. I one question I did. I was thinking about just to myself, Brian, is how when you played with Etta and who was a phenomenal talent, absolutely a phenomenal talent, how did that affect your music career and you as a person? A 14 year journey with this phenomenal talent that, you know, had some issues, but in I want to know how it was for you to be her musical director and you know, be a part of that and how it affected you as a, as a musician in the field. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, again, it's, it's sort of strange and incongruous that some little white kid from Glendale, California, which I call the gateway to Burbank, <laughs> um, that, that I would, that I would be chosen to, to lead the band with at times an all black band as oh only my white God. kid. And that couldn't be more white. So, you know, I caught a lot of flack, you know, and, uh, but the truth is, is that she did choose me. She chose me because I had drive and passion and she liked my style, even though I was just forming me as a musician. I was 18 years old. Uh, so I was very fortunate to be with her and I couldn't have been more happy to be in her tutelage, you know, and to apprentice with her for all of those years. It wasn't just 14 years. Because we went on to be uh, very close friends, and we worked together for another 20 after that. So it was a lot of years. And, uh, wow. you know, I, I was driving around in her uh, 80s or her 70s Cadillac Seville in the back seat with my guitar in the trunk <laughs> and a new son in the back seat with me to shows uh, to do and showing up. Uh, in in time to rehearse a local group who would, uh, you know, rehearse with me and then with whom I would go out and play two sets with her. But she was such a great and uh, magnetic performer and so hot. And she had such a story to tell and such a fever, you know, to get back out there and play again because she was now sober uh, and uh, or relatively so. And we got out there and she just had, you know, the fire burning and uh, people would just go bananas everywhere we went. And it was very easy to be in her long shadow and by her side because she was just so magnificent, so hot. Wow. What a great testament to her. Well, she deserves all of it and more. Yeah, incredible, incredible artist. So, Brian, going through that story about Etta James and you being so young and, you know, just starting your journey, um, looking back, would you, what would you tell your younger self from today? And would you change anything or any of, like, the roadmap that you've been on um, up to this point? Like, what would you change and what would you tell your younger self? Or, or are you... I mean, your path is incredible. You know, the, your your resume is just, you know, it's jaw-dropping for, like, any musician. Um, 
So, you know, we're in awe of you and everything that you have done and you're an incredible talent and um and we love that your you your music spans so many different types of music and different artists. So, I was just curious to like what your take is to reflect back on all those years of all that experience. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I guess I would look down at my younger self in my teens getting ready to play or just getting a start with Etta or whatever. And I would say, you know, don't worry. You know, uh, it's all going to work out fine. I always had great faith. But there was a time there in the early 90s where the money from my hit record I'd written for Smokey ran out. And I had kind of decided to stop touring when I got very scared. And I remember my brother, my late brother, saying, well, why don't you give it six more months? And I was like, in my in my my soul, I was like, six months? That's so final. And uh, <laughs> you know, a, check, a check came through, you know, for $8,000, and I was sailing again. And, you know, it's just like my my prayers just kept getting answered. But I would say to the positive, I would say to any kids out there, okay, so don't, don't worry, but also say yes to everything. Because what I did in the case of Etta, in the case of Paul, in the case of Rita Coolidge, uh, Smokey, I, I said yes and walked through the doors that were just open a little crack, you know. I mean, with Etta and with uh, Rita Coolidge in particular, those two jobs came with, uh, you know, as substitutes for another guitar player who couldn't make it that day. Wow. And um, if I would have said, oh, I don't know, why would I do that? She's got a guitar player. You know, he's probably better than me. I if like I the voice, Brian. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I literally uh, uh, just said okay and did stuff that scared me. And I did stuff that along the way that maybe I could even say I thought might be a little beneath me or something or not not quite what I wanted to do, not beneath me, but maybe not to my taste. Right. And I just said yes to everything because you never know who you're going to meet on any given day at any one of these little jams or rehearsals or open mic nights or anything. Right. And we, isn't, isn't that when you, I mean, you've been in the industry for so long and I've got some music industry under my belt as far as career wise, but you know, in the behind the scenes um, part, but isn't that the key to the success is who you know and that who you know cliche is so cliche, but it is who you know. I like what Larry said. When opportunity mm-hmm. meets preparation. Yeah. Be prepared and don't be afraid, which is what Brian says. Right. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be scared. Yeah. Take that leap. Yeah, is that the definition of luck, or or is it the the definition of destiny? I, I don't know, but that's that's really true. Like, yeah. you know, where opportunity and and uh, you know luck meet. You know, be prepared. Yeah. Preparation meets opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I, I knew I'd get there someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you've been there and back several times. So the no next. Problem. The next song our listeners are going to hear is one of my favorite of yours, too, The Tears of a Clown. What you did with this is incredible. And this charted on the Billboard Top 40 with Smokey yeah. Robinson. How did this come to be? Well, you know, funny enough, I was uh, every time I'd go out there and do some of my solo shows, I would uh, add in a couple of, I didn't have quite enough songs when I first started as a solo artist. Um, and I'd add a, a couple of covers in, and this was a cover that I just always liked. It was an arrangement that, that a friend of mine came up with in the late 70s. I was in a band with a guy named Reggie Knighton, and he uh, recorded with uh, Roy Thomas Baker, who uh, who produced Queen and Cars and Journey, and uh, we did an album with him, and this was in our live show. And I always loved the, the arrangement that Reggie came up with. It was very sort of cheap trick meets uh, The Who. And um, so, hey, I was doing my my soul uh, song that I wrote for Smokey many years ago, 30 years ago. 
called One Heartbeat, and I thought B-side, what if I did The Tears of a Clown and put them out together? And then I took another step, and I said, well, what if I call Smokey and see if he'd be willing to come and sing? And he did, and it, I was very lucky and very happy that he did, man. I mean, what an honor. I mean, Smokey Robinson wrote songs that both the Stones and the Beatles recorded. And That's a full circle here I moment, am yeah. Getting up enough nerve to call him to, you know, to uh, sing on my version of his song a little bit wow. wild. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to listen to The Tears of a Clown with Brian Ray and Smokey Robinson. You're going to love it, and we'll be right back. back on the balcony show with brian ray best known for being the bass guitar lead guitar i think you play a lot of guitars for uh paul mccartney i do i play all the guitars that you could imagine i mean 12 string six string 
What's your favorite? Like, what's your baby? Epiphone. My baby yeah. is the uh, 1957 Gold Top Les Paul that uh, I played 18 years old, and uh, on which I played every show I ever played with Etta. Oh, how neat. for one uh, telecast show that we did together. Wow. Yeah, it's my sweetie. It's, you know, it's... um. It's worth good money because it's a, a a great vintage collectible guitar, but it's really valuable to me mostly because of its uh, provenance with my early jobs with Eddie James. And you paid eight hundred and fifty dollars for it, right? I did. And you thought it was a lot of money at the time. Price. That's incredible. Yeah. And that that will be around long after. You're no longer here, and it, it will have a story. So that's great nope, that I'm you kept it. I'm taking it with me. No, I'm kidding. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play it up in heaven or down Aww. there, wherever they, wherever they send me. Wherever and, they let you in, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're you collect guitars too, correct? Yes, I do. I I love guitars. And I'm just kind of a nerd. I mean, just recently I bought another vintage guitar. Um, and, uh, and it, and it kind of sets you off. And then I start looking on Instagram and every other post is a guitar I want. <laughs> Sounds like my husband. <laughs> is it? Oh uh, my gosh. Every, uh, that's every musician's wife's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> the only difference is. Oh, I've, I've had that for years. It's been in a guitar case in the closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, you guys, for you and your <laughs> listeners, if you have any cool Gibsons or Fenders that are just in a case in the closet, <laughs> that's just been sleeping in there, you call your old Uncle Brian. Yeah, there will, you go. I will buy it from you, and I will pay you fair money. Yeah. I will See? stand upon a head to give you a deal. Well, if I can convince my husband to sell any of his stuff to pay off my kids' college loans, I'm going to ring you up. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I you yeah. might have scored a guitar. I, I, yeah. How can it get any better, Brian? <laughs> I'm scared so for that stuff. I would, yeah, I would, I would love it. So the last song our listeners are going to hear tonight is Pirate Radio. Do you want to tell our listeners something about Pirate Radio and what's it about? And yeah, sure. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm of a vintage, um, meaning I'm older. That, uh, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, I gave you a little hint about my age when I talked about, uh, being three and four years old when, uh, when rock and roll was really taking everybody by storm. Um, I also got an, a little, uh, gift for Christmas. It was a, uh, transistor radio. In those days, it was slightly larger than a pack of cigarette, cigarettes and much better for your health. Uh, and, uh, it had a single earpiece. It wasn't stereo and you could walk around with it. It was battery powered and pick up AM radio stations. And yep. it was just like, you know, it was close to having a car. I was six, seven years old and I got it for Christmas. And I remember one of the first songs I heard was, what was it called? Bobby Socks in the Blue Jeans. I think it was doing, uh, <laughs> doing um, the locomotion or little Ava doing the locomotion. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And Bobby Sox and the Blue Jeans doing Zippity Doodah and um, their cover of that song. And I was tuning in at night one night just because, you know, I was, you know, I had this thing and it was my thing. It was my, my own secret club. And uh, I'm there trying to go to sleep and on comes this uh, wild, you know, this guy making wolf sounds. I was like, oh, oh no, werewolves of London. Went, oh my God, what is this? It was so scary and cool. And then he's playing these old blues and R&B records. And then he come back in talking like this. And I thought, who is this cat? What in the hell is going on? And it was a Wolfman Jack. And he was uh, the DJ on a pirate radio station blasting out of... Uh, Tijuana, but only at night. In the daytime, it was like, uh, you know, uh, some kind of uh, Mexican preacher, a distorted <laughs> microphone yelling at you about, you know, 
about God and Jesus in, in Spanish, you know. But at night, it would turn into the coolest radio station you've ever heard. I got terribly addicted to it. It was my little secret club. Uh, and I thought I'd write a song about that called Pirate Radio. It was illegal to have a radio station such as that in the U.S., so they blasted out of Tijuana. Wow, oh, that's awesome. crazy. <laughs> yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like the wolf man. Oh, he they was phenomenal. Had, uh, they had one on, like it on the uh, the coast of England, uh, in uh, in in England, uh, on a boat, and they were they were legal uh, off a certain amount of miles from the shore, and they would get chased around by coast guard over there. Oh, that's great! But, uh, you know, and, and that's what they had over there. So there was pirate radio in Europe, in England, and in the U.S. So, Pirate Radio, there you go. Yeah, cool Now song. you know the story. Yep. And well, I can't you. let you go without mentioning the Bayonets. Well, yes. I uh, uh, started uh, uh, a little band with my buddy and sometimes songwriting partner, Oliver Lieber, the son of the, the late, great Jerry Lieber of Lieber and Stoller, who, you know, speaking of Elvis, wrote, some of his early hits like Jailhouse Rock and uh, and and produced and I think wrote uh, Hound Dog, even though I think they stole that one <laughs> and a bunch of other songs for them. Uh, also the coasters and stuff. Anyway, Oliver's the son of Jerry Lieber. He and I have written together for years, and uh, I came over to his house one day to write some more music for what would have been a third solo album. And he said, I'd love to write some more music, but let's do a band instead. And I said, okay. And we started talking about what that band would be like, a departure from my solo stuff. And uh, then we came up with a name. That took about two months of the silliest late-night text you've ever seen. And, <laughs> but we finally landed on that. And we, uh, we've done, by now, we've done about 14 songs, uh, our latest release was on gem records i think we have seven coolest songs in the world over at little steven's underground garage which is really so cool a lot of airplay yeah a lot a lot of airplay so you're still doing it you're still you're still out there you're still pressing for your dreams and i gotta say keep at it because we love what you're putting out it's just insane well, I'm, I'm still that kid you know i'm still i'm still uh a nerd for music and a nerd for guitars at incorrigible. So, well, know, we I'm, understand incorrigible here because we have Mad Cat, and we abuse yeah. him on the daily. I just want you to know they do, man. <laughs> All right, Mad Cat, you wild man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not called wi Mad Cat because he's a good kitty. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> That's a true story. Oh, I think it is. That is a uh -oh. true story. When I walk into something. Yeah, we're bad. We uh, were good. Yeah, we were. Yeah, no. I won't even tell you what we were doing earlier. <laughs> Torturing uh -oh. me, man. Torturing me. Uh oh. <laughs> we gave him some summer pickup lines. He didn't think they were very good, though. He thought they would, like, either get him jailed or. Oh, my God. They're like, you should go out to the bars and you should say these pickup lines to these women. I'm like, it's 2021. Each one of those will be an assault charge. Yeah, each one of them is going to cost you, you know, $5,000 in lawyer fees. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you got a friend named Brian Ray. He's famous. There you yeah. go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You could say, you want to come over to my house and... and uh, Talk to my famous friends. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'll just have you write a song about how the girls on the balcony show got me beat up. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyways. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank you, sir, for seriously spending some time with us. Um, what is happening in your world now? Are you going to be able to tour because of COVID? Are you heading back out on the road with Paul or... Are you doing some solo well, stuff? What's going on? Yeah, there's no new news on that one. Uh, there's uh, every chance that we will at some point, but 
I never uh, do the announcing for Paul, so I wouldn't be able to, uh, okay, uh, you know, answer on that one. But uh, I'd hope so. I've also had um, uh, some some interest in doing some solo shows, and I'm, you know, mulling some ideas over in my mind. Well, you can certainly go to uh, your website and check out Brian Ray. I'm sure you'll have everything there that anybody could possibly need or want. Yeah, right. That's right. So, with that, sir, I'm going to bid you good night, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, seriously, for spending time with us. You can't imagine what this means to us here. It's my pleasure, really. So, we're going to take a listen to Pirate Radio from Brian Ray, and we'll be right back with the rest of the show. When I was a young boy, I got a new toy, a transistor radio. I was good to go. From the downbeat of my youth, I was searching for the sound of truth, and it found me. interview what a great guy yes it was really good you know i i do hope 
You know, I, I would have liked to have drilled him a little bit more to get his perspective as a 17 year old kid with, um, with the thing with, you know, with, uh, with Graham Nash and, you know, or, uh, Graham Parsons. I'm sorry, not Graham Nash, Graham Parsons. Because what a fantastic story that is. And for him being 17 years old and getting taken under this guy's wing while this, you know, while, you know, while, while Paul has just got this whole thing going on with that, you know, just read that story, guys. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think his whole his whole life is a great story, and I hope someday that he right. puts it in a book. I was just, I was literally just going to say that because it would be fantastic, just because of the a who, great read, the, and yes, yeah, the, just the, from all the people that he knows, the who's who of everyone that's kind of like been in his circle yeah, like, since the beginning. Go ahead, Brian, put it in, and then put it in a vault until. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't have to release it now, but yeah. release it later. You know. Anyways, good stuff. Thank you to him. It was a real pleasure to have him on the show. So with that, uh, do check out thebalconyshow.com for all the upcoming events. And if you want to catch a show you haven't, haven't heard, we are on all the listening platforms, iHeartMedia, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Um, and with that, I think I'm ready to go. See ya! I don't know about you guys, but yeah. I'm, I'm ready to I go. I think we're ready to go. All right. I don't have anything else to add. So. I'm, I'm, allergic, <laughs> like, I'm literally allergic to cold, but I would like to go just sit on a giant block of ice right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we hot. That's right. Yeah, we are hot. <laughs> Meanwhile, now everybody out in the West is like, man, those guys, they don't know nothing, man. Last night it was 189 degrees. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, Canada is going. Hold my beer. And my <laughs> wife still had to throw a leg up over me. I mean, come on. Ah. Uh, uh, with that, I'm going to say good night, everybody from the Balcony Show. We'll catch you next week, and we're going to end things tonight with a song from Char- from Chelsea Lynn Meyer. Hangover. Take a listen. That's what's up.
And that's what's up.